Welcome to Letter Books Book Club. My name is Claire. And I'm Mackenzie. And today we're going to be talking about A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J Mass, which is the fifth book in the Akatar series. And we're going to approach talking about this book just a little bit differently. Uh, the past books, we've just kind of went through the entire book chronologically. The books progressively get bigger and bigger, so it's just going to take a little bit more time. And this one, this book is a big boy. So we are just, we've just put some dot points down that we're just going to talk about as we go. It may be in chronological order, maybe not, but we're just going to get through how we feel there's a lot of opinions and that's how we're going to approach it today so we hope you enjoy. I also just wanted to add to that as well that I feel like this book has a very different vibe and feel to it than the other ones as well so rather than yeah going in chronological order um, especially if we did that with this there would be a lot of um, inappropriate <laughs> things to go through I guess um, so yeah we're just going to go over the main points and theories and stuff so I will start us off by reading the blurb. So, Nesta Archeron has always been prickly, proud, swift to anger and slow to forgive. And since the war, since being made high fay against her will, she's struggled to forget the horrors she endured and find a place for herself within the strange and deadly night court. The person who ignites her temper more than any other is Cassian, the battle-scarred winged warrior who is there at Nesta's every turn. But her temper isn't the only thing Cassian ignites. And when they are forced to train in battle together, sparks become flame. As the threat of war casts its shadow over them once again, Nesta and Cassian must find monsters must fight monsters from within and without. They are to stand a chance of halting the enemies of their court. But the ultimate risk will be searching for acceptance and healing in each other's arms. Also, I didn't read the blurb when I first bought that. So <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. So now that I've read it, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be about. Alright. Because you've read the book twice now like do you think the blurb is a good overview of what happened yeah <laughs> I suppose you read the ser- yeah. you read the series a bit quick back to back to back so you know you just yeah I guess as well like when I was reading Throne of Glass because I bought them all at once I just like read and then I read the blurb of the next one like after I'd read it because I didn't want spoilies so yeah. then I was like I don't know so maybe I just didn't want spoilies yeah fair enough all right so we're just gonna kick off talking about it immediately early on in the book there is a bit of a tone difference that we noticed uh, a lot more just swearing and like vulgar language and the fact that it's not in like first person view first person mm. point of view in which the first four books were uh, apart from uh frost and starlight it was all kind of strictly from Farah's point of view even a teensy bit of resand but yeah it was very jarring switching straight to like more of a third person view where you get a bit of everybody a lot more swearing vulgar language it, it was it was really off-putting and i know i messaged you about that and yeah I know, mm, especially in the other books when it's sort of alluded to like i know sometimes like it'll be like oh so and so um said the most colorful word she could think of or like something Something like that or like gave a vulgar gesture and it's like you know what it is you don't need it to be explicitly told to you and especially when this is meant to be you know like a young adult fantasy series it makes it quite jarring because you think like young adult like I probably started reading young adult when I was like 13. But yeah and they even like I was very surprised because they even the c word is mentioned in the book. Mm. In, a, in, a, in a very uh, sensual context but yeah like you wouldn't think that word would popped up at all in the first four books even in a sensual context i don't like that word yeah fair, <laughs> yeah fair enough 
Maybe, maybe this tone difference is setting up for a more, like, gruesome aspect of the next kind of trilogy set. Because, like, the first four is kind of, like, fluffy, lighthearted, you know, whimsical fairy tale style. And then now it's getting into more darker, nitty-gritty type of stuff. Yeah, especially because when I first read this, I didn't realise that there were going to be more books. I thought maybe one more. But now that I found out that, you know, like, um, Akita Miss... Fury and Wings and Ruin are all meant to be like a trilogy and then like um, the novella of St. Starlight and then this is the beginning of another like trilogy within the universe. Yeah. I'm like oh yeah like I guess this is kind of yeah the same feel as Akatar like setting up something bigger. Yeah for sure. Like how Akatar set up the King of Highburn. Early on in this book primarily focuses on Nesta surrounded by Nesta and Cassian um, and early in the book Nesta's kind of it was really hard to get through because Nesta has been set up and written to where I've interpreted her as someone that I don't really care about. And there's a lot of contention yeah. online about that, like with Silver Flames, is you either really hate Nesta or she's your favourite character. There's like no in between. Like there's yeah. full on arguments about it. But yeah, the first part of the book is really Nesta just kind of wallowing and we get to see a bit more of how she feels in regards to um, how she's coping from losing her father and um, her trauma by being dipped into the cauldron against her will. We see a lot of like flashbacks and PTSD through dreams and stuff as well. As we've said before, her self-destructive behaviour in drinking and promiscuous activities which is nothing wrong with that but um yeah she's just dealing with her trauma same nesta same and so early in the book it's established Feyre establishes that um well, technically well, there's a family intervention and Feyre and the inner circle of the night court gave her a little bit of an ultimatum either return to the mortal lands and risk dying um or be locked kind of semi-locked up in windhaven and uh, yeah. training with cassine and that during the day and then working in the library for the afternoon. Yeah, well, in the House of Wind. Oh, House of Wind, sorry. I don't know why I said Windhaven. I knew there was wind, near wind somewhere. And the only way out of uh, the House of Wind is to traverse 10,000 stairs to the foot of Valeris. And yeah, so um, being gr disgruntled about it, Nesta ends up taking that deal. And what would you think about that whole kind of interaction, the, the ultimate family intervention sort of scenario? I don't want to say too much right now. I want to save like some of it till like we get through like the key points of the book but um i like i guess it was kind of alluding to it in frost and starlight when i like wrote up the winter solstice sorry i was gonna say something from throne of glass i was gonna say like <laughs> yulmas <laughs> um when she showed up yeah to um the winter solstice and stuff and but she only really came to get her rent money and then i was like okay like something's gotta give and then i was wondering how they were going to yeah start off her story in this one to get it going but yeah. It was really hard for me early book um, because, yeah, I didn't like Nesta. Um, like I was saying, the first time I tried to read it, I couldn't get through the first few chapters because I just, like, I didn't care about Nesta. I didn't want to read about it. But then also it's that thing where we, like, fall. There's so many times that you love, like, main characters and you fall in love with the main characters and, like, you see them as perfect. And I guess this was one time when a main character for me hasn't been perfect and it's been challenging for me to try and, like, immerse myself into that world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I was also wondering how they were gonna kind of get Nesta involved because yeah, in Akafas and and early in this book, it's like she doesn't want to be involved in night court life. How are you gonna get her to do anything? But yeah, it, it's a bit of a harsh like ultimatum. But it's how I suppose that's how Sarah wanted to progress with that. And along the way, we meet a couple of new characters. We meet uh, a couple of uh, very important characters for Nesta. We meet Emery. That's how I pronounce it. Yep. 
Um, she is a young Illyrian woman whose wings were clipped, and um, she owns a shop. Nesta finds her in a shop and asks for some leathers and stuff, and that's how they kind of interact and, and become friends. We also meet- I, I instinctually say Gwen, but I know it's Gwyn. I, yeah, I say Gwen as well, but yeah. yeah uh, a young acolyte who works in the library that Nesta ends up working at. And yeah, uh, both of these ladies endured a bit of like trauma as well. There's a, it's just the, yeah, it's the thing with this book, everybody is kind of traumatized. Not that suffering is a contest, but um, yeah. everyone has, has their story. Um, and as the book kind of, the theme of it is like, you know, the stories deserve to be heard and told. So yeah, uh, Nesta... Be- ends, ends up becomes friends with Emery and Gwyn, and there's like a found sistership sisterhood theme that kind of yeah, happens found throughout. family trope. <laughs> but my only issue, like, it's great that Nesta finds her own friends, I, it's fantastic, but my issue is that she has two very real blood-related sisters who are just as traumatised and they don't really hash it out with each other. <laughs> they don't discuss. Yeah, like, I feel like because, yeah, we find out that is pregnant and we'll get into that soon. But so I guess she's just focusing on that and I, I don't know what Elaine's doing. Like, <laughs> Elaine seems Elaine's fine. Elaine's just making bread. She's <laughs> yeah. fi- like, she's fine. She's not fine, but she's fine. Yeah. and But then also, like, I guess they're at the point where they're like, I'm so over, like, trying to coddle Nesta and, like, trying to get her to be involved in life. Um, that, yeah, they're just like, ugh, just do what you need to do. Yeah, nice to have a found family situation because Feyre yeah. ended up refinding her family in Reese and all that. But, yeah, the fact that this whole sisterhood, whereas Nesta has two other sisters who are just as traumatised and, you know, have lived through tragedies as well doesn't really mm. want to kind of recover with them or at least resolve any of their issues together. I just found that just a teensy bit annoying, but that's just me. And while um, Nesta is training with Cassian, because she eventually decides to do so through, what do we expect? A bargain. We love a bargain. <laughs> eventually, Emery and Gwyn decide to, to uh, fight as well um, and train. And they're trying to become like Valkyries. They're practicing old Legion warrior training methods and stuff, which is pretty cool. The, the point of Nesta training really is to just have another outlet, I think. How many bargains do you remember are made in this book? So Reese and Feyre stupid bargain. Cassian yeah. and Nesta had two bargains. One was the yeah. training and then one was an extra hour. But I don't know if that was yeah. a joke or a legitimate one. There's three. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I know I know I know where you go. I know where you're going with this and I don't like it. <laughs> There's a big theme around three in these books. I don't know. I think we've spoken about this before, but it's like, you know, there's three brothers essentially being Reese and Azrael and Cassian. There's three sisters. There's three um, stars in the night court. There's three, like, levels of, like, ascending the blood right. And there's three mountains. Three mountains, three bargains, usually. And, yeah, so now there's another three bargains in this book. So there's a lot around, like, threes. Numerology. The trilogies. Three trilogies. Huge symbolism, yeah, with the three. But I guess three is such an easy number. Three like dead troves. Three, three items in the dead trove, sorry. <laughs> three three other magical artifacts that she makes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think three in general is just like that. It's not too much. It's not too little. Yeah. But yeah, but no, it's pretty cool that there's I mean, a lot of it. It's consistent. I don't know if we want to go that deep because I know she does base things off other things, like the Beauty and the Beast retelling. Tamlin is like Tamlin, like a retelling. But, you know, like in a religion, there's a whole, like, trilogy of, like, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for and sure. then in like Power of Three. And so while uh, the Valkyrie training is happening throughout the book, Nesta and Cassian's kind of personal relationship kind of is touch and go, you know. 
Obviously, they're mates. Obviously, we all knew that they were mates. When did you figure out that they were mates? Look, since Aqua War, when he was just, like, pushed to her. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, or even Mist and Fury, when they first meet in the human village. Like, yeah. you're just drawn to her straight away. Yeah. I was like, oh, when oh, he no. says, yeah. Yeah. Like, he'll find her in the next life. Like, the one thing he regrets is, like, not having enough time or something. Yeah, no, way before that, yeah. And when he was immediately paired with her, I'm like, ah. But I was yeah. thinking, I, I saw some comments online. Um, Isn't, like, the mating bond supposed to be, like, a kind of a rare thing? This is becoming, like, very... Well, yes, but also if you think about it, like, they're all, like, well, the boys, the bat boys are, like, 500 years old and the women are, like, essentially in their 20s. So technically that's kind of rare in, like, the lifetime kind of space. Like, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I guess if you put it like that way, yeah. But no, yeah, yeah, them being mates, it was always going to happen, I think. But my only thing was, was Nesta kind of rejecting that idea so much that it wasn't re- kind of revealed to her sooner? Like, I'm, I'm, so. I'm very confused as to how either one or both, because Cassian, when did, did Cassian knew kind of, must have known immediately or something. Because, yeah. when, like, when did they kind of fully realize, oh, you're my mate? I will find out for you. Reese knew before Feyre, but Feyre should have been able to have felt it at a similar yeah, time. Yeah, Cassian confirms he suspected she was his mate from the moment he met her, even when she was still in human form. Yeah, so she must have, but like, wouldn't she have like looked at him and kind of felt the same, or did she just completely reject that idea and like repressed it until she until she kind of actually kind of fell in love with because him? Because then also like Reese knew that Feyre was his mate. Yeah, and Feyre didn't know until. So it's like surreal. when Lucian and looked at Elaine, he knew straight away. Like yeah. when when do the girls just know? Like because they the boys they seem to like straight away they know. know, but like the girls they they took their time. I think maybe it's like a consent thing. Maybe that, yeah, they have to be like open to it. They have to be willing. Yeah, because Feyre like when they um did the do in the cabin. Yeah. In the woods. That's when, like, she felt it click into place. The whole idea of it unlocking seems a bit more different to the ladies, but that's probably, yeah, because you might have to have feeling, like, intense feelings to begin with. Yeah. But yeah, they were, they were always going to be mates. All right, who's going to be the, the last set of mates <laughs> that we see? Who's going to be the last ones confirmed? Yeah, well. Throughout the, the book, we are setting up our villains. The villains are being set up and doing very mischievous things. Um, We learn that uh, one of the remaining queens called Breelin, Breelin, how I kind of pronounce it. We learn that she is in uh, teaming up with the sorcerer Death Lord, and I'm not going to try and pronounce his name because I'm going to get it so wrong. Koshai? Koshai? I just like read it as Koshi, but I'm sure it's like Koshai or something. Yeah, Koshi, Koshai. Yeah, he, she's teaming up, she's allying herself with Koshi in order to try and uh, take over Prithian. Again, like, <laughs> who wa- who else wants a piece of the cake? What is so great about Prithian that everyone wants to rule it's it? It's funny, in this book, truly timeline, 55 years and suddenly three people or three or four, even more entities want to mm. suddenly conquer it in this within this time period. <laughs> Yeah. I suppose Amarantha did kind of go rogue and kind of kickstart it all and then suddenly everyone wants a piece of the pie. Yeah. But yeah, so they find out that Breelin and Koshi, I'm just going to call him Koshi, uh, are on the hunt for these magical artifacts called, which is a part of a dead dread trove. And these powerful artifacts, if they have them, they essentially rule everything in any sort of manner. So the three artifacts are the harp, the mask, and the crown. The crown pretty much mind controls people against yeah. their will for you, for you to do their bidding. The mask pretty much raises the dead and you have like an undead army to control. And the harp yeah. controls time. And so throughout this book, Nesta is on the hunt for these artifacts and she kind of gets pressured by everybody in the inner circle to start scrying again. 
she's very reluctant yeah. because the last time she scried, the cauldron you know, saw her and then therefore they took Elaine. Elaine to the King of Highburn camp, but um, um, they were very kind of reassuring to her that like she's able to find these artifacts because you know like yeah. like calls to like because she was made these objects were made they would have some sort of um arcane kind of connection to each other so she would be able to hunt yeah. them down much easier yeah and Cyrus not allowed to hunt them down because she's pregnant and they have to be safe about <laughs> super protective and Elaine's making bread. And Elaine is just, but Elaine wanted to scry, try scrying or at least try. Yeah. She was like, let me be involved. And then that's when Nestor's like, no, I'll do it. Um, yeah. The only thing about the buildup of Breelin, I'm just going to bring it up now. She was, you know, she was brought up throughout the entire 80 chapters, essentially. And she was physically seen, I reckon, in only two. She was gone. <laughs> she went poof like that. She was gone. Nestor destroyed mm. her in like a page. Yeah. I would have liked more skirmishes. Yeah. I reckon there were too much fluffing around in terms of the fight, the training, and, like, yeah. Cassian and Nesta go on a hike. We know this. It's the infamous hike. And I swear there's, like, a handful of chapters where it's just describing her walking and how she's feeling. I'm like, if you cut that down a little bit, we get it. She's upset. She's feeling her grief, whatever. If we add a bit more Breelin and, like, more little tussles and skirmishes, would have balanced it out a little bit. But, um... Yeah. Like the King of Highburn, she was built up to be to be this powerful thing because she's aligned with Koshi and his OP Death Lord powers. But she's gone in the, in the in a matter of a second. Frustrated me so much. Um, did we? Sorry, quickly, did we go over who Briallen is? Uh yeah, I mentioned that she was the other queen, human queen. Oh, the she, other mortal queen, yeah. Mortal queen, yeah. She walked, yeah. She after Nesta and Elaine went into the cauldron, she went in because she thought, oh, it works, and then. Nesta took a lot of the power and then she ended up coming out as a withered old hag, essentially. <laughs> Immortal <Yes. laughs> hag. And that's and she's out for revenge. And this is and yeah, at least, but now we have a name to Koshi, who is the, the master of Vessa, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was happy that, you know, that's kind of linked that little plot line is lingering around. She may be freed in the next couple of books, hopefully. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well what did you think of the Breland build up? Her involvement? Um I, I found that it was very, it wasn't like, the, well, yeah, it was like the King of Highburn where it's just, like, given so much power and, like, she slash he can, like, kill so many people and have all these armies and everything and then suddenly, poof, like, they're taken down by one person or, like, one thing, like, taken down so easy. And it's like, how come in, you know, 500 years that these, like, Illyrian warriors or, like, Rhysan, who apparently has, like, all the power in the world and everything, and all these high lords haven't gotten together and taken out the King of Highburn, they need this little gardener to stab him in the neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And yeah. yeah, so, like, after all that, like, how come these people haven't been able to take them down? Or even yeah. in, yeah, this one. Oh, no, why Reese didn't. But all the other High Lords can't take Briallen down, but Nesta yeah. can. Yeah, I think they were just scared and they were just kind of rebuilding their courts after the Highburn infiltration. But, yeah, yeah they, they could have done more to help. There wasn't a lot of, you know, seeking extra help. I think they wanted to keep it on the hush-hush because if everyone yeah. found out about the Dread Trove, then everyone would be after it. Yeah. Because essentially, they were talking, Amarin was getting in Reese's ear about, oh, if you have all three artifacts, you could be the High King and you can rule everybody. And then Reese, yeah. I was really happy that Reese was not entertaining that idea. I was very happy with that. Um, yeah, I never liked Amarin. And even in this book, she was insufferable. Yeah, fair enough. 
built up of Brielle and only to be taken away like that. It's a very, it's, yeah. if any, if Sarah is anything, she is consistent. Um, <laughs> and then in this process, Nesta accidentally makes her own three magical weapons, which is essentially another dread trove. Like, how many dread mm. troves are there? Is does it have to be like, <laughs> like a like a group of three artifacts, or does it, is it just based on power and what the entity, uh, what it can control? Yeah, I guess it's based on power. Because yeah, Nesta essentially creates a death god killing sword, which is pretty sick. Yeah. Even though it was like accidental. I think we did see Koshi, or we heard Koshi through like the mind. I don't know if we, I forget mm. if we saw him physically. I don't think we but did. But he managed to get away. But yeah, hopefully yeah. that sets him up for, he'll, no, he'll be set up for the next book and then he'll be gone like halfway through. Just you watch. Yeah. Throughout the book, as Gwyn and Emery and Nesta are training, they essentially undertake Illyrian training and stuff and they manage to mm. kind of secure a spot in the Blood Rite, which is a, an Illyrian warrior thing where it's kind of a fight to the death, but if you, if you last the week and survive, like no one can kill, like you can't be killed like it's you can die yeah. you can die in it but it's not it's not like the hunger games where you have to kill everybody yeah you don't have to kill everyone but yeah it's like this um yeah it's where the where young illyrian warriors you know become a full fledged i guess illyrian warrior and there are you know stages and if you meet, meet a certain stage you'll be given a certain title and there are three stages and three titles which i forget at the top of my head but of course, surprise, surprise, there's been only three people to reach the top, and I'll give you a wild guess as to who they are. <laughs> they don't um secure a spot, sorry, in the blood right. They just say that they've trained so much that, like, they could participate in they're, that. Uh, they're eligible. That's the word yeah, I was looking yeah, for. Yeah. But yes, our boys, Reese, Azriel, and Cassian made it to top of Ramiel. Ramil, mm -hmm. and yes, and they uh, were kind of granted the title of that, which I again I forget. Pretty, it's pretty yeah, important. I forget, I can't find it. Like it, it comes across as being important as part of the Illyrian culture, but like they're not respected that way because of their of how they were, you know, how they grew up, which sucks. It sucks. The poor boys. Yeah, like if they had like the 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 best slash conventional Illyrian yeah, set up. Like, they would be worshipped like gods. But the fact that they're all, like, essentially bastard-borns, like, they don't have the respects that they've so well earned. Which is sad now that I think about it. With this blood riot, it actually happens in the book. It happens, like, in the last 20% of the book. Because I remember I was I got to a point and I messaged Kenzie and I'm like, I have this much left. You got the blood riot. You've got the Briellen kind of conflict. <laughs> you got pregnancy. It's like, how are you going to fit it all in? Yeah. Easy, knock Briella out in two pages. That's how you yeah. do it. Also, once again, the curse of the last hundred pages. Yeah, yeah, so much. Girls, sorry, Nesta, Emery, and Gwyn get stolen in like the middle of the night, and they wake up to find that they are in the blood rock. Um, and yeah, normally they have like no weapons. It's a fend for yourself, no find your own food, etc. But um, this blood right seems to have been sabotaged as Nesta sees like a knife in a tree, and she's like, "This is not right." Yeah. And so Brielin we learn, like, has infiltrated this event, or she's moved it along in order to kind and of she, isolate Nesta. Um, yeah, she put the weapons in. Yeah, and yeah, sabotaged it by putting in the weapons, which I found annoying that we didn't see at least a little bit of a build-up of her infiltrating the Illyrian camp. It just happened that she infiltrated yeah. it. Because yeah. I was like, huh? I had to reread re that page twice because um, Emery's cousin yeah. was in it and like he Nesta recognised like a, a fog glaze over his eyes and under the influence of the crown. And another thing, before I finish this little rant, Brillin just happened to have the crown. But anyway. Yeah, so she sab sabotaged the blood riot and 
yeah, no build up to that at all, which it just felt really, it just had to happen in order to isolate Nesta. So in the blood riot, in the blood riot at the very end, um, when uh, Emery, like Emery and Gwyn get to the top or whatever and Nesta's buying them time, um, Briellen arrives and she has Cassian and like he's under her thrall or whatever and she's essentially about to make Cassian stab himself. And again, this is nothing where I had to reread it twice because I think he like stabs himself and like what it like hits armor or something. Or sorry, he's yeah, in quotation, he stabs himself or he like does the old in the armpit trick because yeah, he get he got up again and I was like, wait, wait, did he stab himself or did he not stab himself? And yeah, he didn't because apparently the power of love. <laughs> While under her thrall, Brelin said to Cassian, kill and that being yeah. that being the fairy you know, you like, or the fade, like, you got to be specific with your words. She didn't, she didn't specify yeah. kill Nesta. If that was the case, he should have then killed himself, you know, or stabbed himself. Yeah. I found a bit weird. But if I've learned anything, it's that um, Sarah has no high stakes for her characters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to love everybody. It's just going to be a build up. There's going to be like 80 characters that everyone's fallen in love with. And you just, you just can't kill them. You just can't. Yeah. So after this, the very end of the book, um, we find out that Pharaoh, who has been pregnant, is in labour and everyone thinks she's going to die because they find out as well that the baby has wings, like Illyrian warrior wings, well, Illyrian wings, sorry, um, and her body isn't built that to happen um, and they can't, like, cut the baby out because, um, like, she'll bleed out like and there's, she's already bleeding out too much anyway um, and also, like, the baby is early, so the baby's a preemie baby. And we, yeah, I think we'll find out earlier on as well that Reese and Feyre made a bargain. Yeah, very <laughs> That if they, one of them dies, the other dies as well. So we are, like, essentially being set up that they're both going to die. But again, just to re- just to reiterate, there's no high stakes. They're not gonna no die. high stakes. They're we know this isn't going to happen. What I was gonna say was, I forget the baby was kind of conceived as Feyre was shapeshifted into kind of like an Illyrian, while her and Reese went at it. Um, yeah. And I think it was kind of brushed over in the book. Why couldn't Feyre just turn back into that shapeshifted kind of back? For the anatomy, so that they were able to come out. Like I knew it was risky. You because mentioned. I think it would be using too much power. Oh yeah, and they didn't. Oh, and they didn't know how much it would have affected the baby. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Like I, I thought she only shapeshifted the just to have wings. I didn't realize she changed her entire anatomy. Yeah. For that same. to happen. And the whole idea of them bleeding out, like, they're immortals. It takes But also, more... talk about taking, like, costumes to a whole new level in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they, they could bleed out, sure. But I thought, like, ash arrows is what, like... Or does that just weaken them enough to kill them? Yeah. Okay, but they can bleed out if they don't... Because it weakens tre- if they, their... If, it, if they don't treat their wounds properly, they would still die. Bleed out. Could you imagine being immortal and then just, like, yeah, just, like, you're not taking care of yourself and then you just die? <laughs> Blood loss. <laughs> Just yep. <laughs> Goddamn, what a way to go. At the very last moment, sorry, Nesta swoops in, like, as Feyre and as Reese are dying, Nesta swoops in and she summons the entire dead trove and she's pretty much just saying, like, I'll give anything, I'll do anything, like, just save them, like, help them, blah, blah, blah. And so she essentially gives most of her power back to the deity, the mother, the goddess, the cauldron, whatever, um, in order to, like, stop time and save Reese and Feyre which she does, and she also changes her own anatomy permanently so that when her and Cassian decide to have children that this isn't going to be a problem. 
which is pretty cool. But yeah, throughout the book, we get glimpses of Nesta's power when she's overly emotional or in a dream. And I thought this whole book was going to be about her embracing that, utilizing it. Yeah. No, <laughs> she just gives it back. Yeah. It was frustrating because she would have been so powerful because, yeah. Because, yeah, she turns the House of Wind into her friend and the House of Wind, yeah, just gives her, like, whatever Yeah, it became it became for. a sentient house and it beckoned at her whim, essentially. Yeah, through her power. Yeah, which is cool. And, you know, she, she would turn into, like, Silver Flame, which is the, pretty much the title of the book. Yeah. And there was a moment where um, she was having a nightmare and her power was overloading her and then Reese had to come in and kind of, like, use his power against hers and he was struggling. He was... He was losing, mm. essentially. But, yeah, like, she would have been super powerful if she was able to utilise that. But then again, like, too OP, I guess. It would be hard to describe yeah. what intricate details of power she actually has. Yeah. Which I saw a comment in that thread that we, we looked at. Um, Isn't it funny how, like, Amrin and Nesta arguably two the most powerful people who could take Reese on, on suddenly have, like, lost their powers or in- inhibited their powers? Yeah. Not not that I'm against Reese, but it's just funny how that works. Like Nesta could have taken him on and she probably would have won. And same with Amarin, she probably would have won against Reese if there was any sort of yeah. fight. Also quickly throughout the book we are introduced to a couple of new little creatures that they encounter along the way. Um yeah. we encounter like a being an entity called Lanthus, which is a creature that Cassian put in the prison. And he tells he recalls the backstory of um how he captured it and his wounds from it. While uh, Nesta was looking for the harp, um, she managed to like unlock a, like a door, like a, the magical doors of it, and Lanthus came out and she managed to kill him with the with the sword, mm. which, is, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I sound like a hypocrite because like I don't like Nesta, but like oh she did a cool thing. I suppose you can respect that. And we also see um, a creature called a kelpie. Which um I keep thinking of like the dog breed. <laughs> Anytime I heard the Kelpie, I'm like, oh, it's a sweet, yeah. soft, sweet, sweet, soft, obedient animal. What could possibly, what harm could they possibly cause? But yeah, the, it's pretty much like a um, it was pretty much like a like a siren, like a human-bodied siren. Yeah. And uh, as Nesta was trying to get the mask, um, he captured her and dragged her under under the water and everything. And there was a little tussle, and she managed to yeah kill him as well. By using the mask, which was really surprising. OP, baby. So now that we've sort of gone through the major like plot points, shall we talk about like theories, overall opinions? We, we can do that. I do want to mention that throughout this book, um, Eris is out, is a part of the action. Like he's a bit of a recurring character in this book. Good. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're getting Eris's redemption arc. Yeah, kind of. Um, essentially, Brielle hijacks his troops with the, the crown and, like, they're doing all of her bidding and causing mischief and whatever. And Eris is trying to deal with that while also trying to um, undermine his father secretly. The inner circle also don't really want him to knowing about the Dread Trove. Throughout this book, they almost every argument he has with anybody, it's like, oh, why don't you tell your side of the story with more? And, like, I'm surprised yeah. why he hasn't told us yet. Yeah, there's something more there. Yeah, so I don't know, when is he going to get that like, I'm thinking that, moment? that maybe she like might have revealed to him like her sexuality. Oh. Or something, and then he I was never, like... I never thought of it like that. 
So I'm thinking, and then he was like, well, how do I get out of this without like ruining her secret, like giving away her secret, like outing her to everyone, but also like still being like within, um, you know, like the normal actions that he would take. He just gets perceived more as the asshole. Yeah. I didn't, because I've been thinking, I'm like, what could Eris possibly have done that like for him to not be seen as bad as what everyone's made it out to be? But yeah, that would be... That would be, I reckon yeah. that, that has to be it. That's to the save thing. her, yeah, a lifetime of being unhappy with him. Also revealed as well that he wasn't there when they dumped her. I think so. So he probably didn't know that that's what they were going to do. But he ended up did finding her at some point. Yeah. Because he, I think he said not to, like, touch her or anything, just because then it would be his problem. Mm. But yeah, because as I was just going to say before, more seems the type of person who would rather, you know, be free, live with this trauma than, say, marry Eris and just have somebody on secretly on the side, yeah. you know? Kind of like yeah. that fake love. Yeah. But, yeah, damn, that's the only... That is a very good point. I have not seen anyone kind of bring that up. Damn, Kenzie. Big brain. OG big brain. All right, fun theory time. Let's let's have a little bit of fun. I would like to start. <laughs> My the best theory that I have read online because this book just didn't feel the same as reading the other ones and now that I've also read like Throne of Glass as well like the series like it doesn't feel the same there's really oh, like I hate to say it there's really no plot going on apart from like a little bit of setup and then it just also like I'm one like I enjoy smart I enjoy reading smart like I enjoyed it in all the other books blah, 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 but like it's almost too overwhelming in this book. Like, there's so much of it that, like, the plot kind of, like, gets buried in their, like, insatiable, um, like, need for each other. So the best theory I've read online is that this book was written with the help of a ghost writer because Sarah J Mass, I think, is also or was also writing the second book in the... Um, like Crescent City series as well. And like, I have nothing against ghostwriters, but if you're going to ghostwrite, you need to do it well. And this, if it's true, was not done well. <laughs> you hear the term ghostwriter thrown out and you think you know what it means. So I, I, I did find the definition. And a lot of it is more so writing like speeches and, and stuff like political figures, that, that those types of things, public yeah. speaking type of stuff. Yeah. For an author, it's like, if you want to ghostwrite for an author, why don't you just write your own book? I yeah. don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But I guess Sarah is, is a busy lady, you know, she's, you know, writing, finishing Akatar as well as starting another series, or at least yeah. working, working on a multiple, and like, we've got the potential TV show happening, like, she's very busy, yeah. which is fair enough. It would make sense for the tone shift. And the vulgar language, I yeah. guess, as well. I mean, unless, like, in the next book, which we don't know is going to have this same sort of tone as well, and it's intentional, but just as this compares to the rest of the series, it doesn't feel the same. Like, especially Reese, I don't think would be dumb enough to make that bargain with Feyre yeah. of, like, we're going to die together. That's another one. And also, like, when he says when Feyre, because they're all protecting Feyre against, um, you know, like, she doesn't know that she's going to die. So Reese is like, we can't tell her. And then Nesta's the one that ultimately tells her, like, oh, your mate has been lying to you, essentially. And, like, Reese has never been about keeping secrets. Reese has always been like, this is what's happening. This is the plan. Here are your choices. Like, I just think in the other books, like, Reese would never keep something like that from Feyre. Yeah. And then especially when after Nesta tells, yeah, Feyre, and then Reese like, just goes, like, get her, like, the fuck out of here or something, like, before I, 
fucking killer or something like that. Like, just lots of swearing and lots of anger. And it's like, that's not Reese. Mm, yeah. That was, like, very early on, just before, I think, the intervention. It was, like, really, it was an early spat between them. Because you kind of warned me. You're like, Reese is going to be a bit of an asshole this book. And I'm like, oh, no, what are they going to do? Yeah. And then that happened early on. And I'm like, oh, no, how bad are they going to mess him up? But it wasn't that bad. Like, there were... Those yeah. those moments where he kind of swore at Nesta and this and the lying yeah. part, but essentially he's been he's been consistent. Yeah, because I messaged you a few times and I was like, I'm very angry. Like this is not the Reese I know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think because we didn't reveal that that bargain that Reese would die to. Yeah, that they made their bargain till later on. So maybe he was just mm. scared of um and like yeah maybe he was probably but also like in. Yeah, but I also just feel like in this scenario, like, Reese wouldn't get himself into that situation and he wouldn't be like, well, fuck, I'm going to die and then just keep it from Feyre, like... And I feel like Reese would be organised to have, like, the protocols in place, like, have those conversations of, all right, here's what's going to happen if I'm going to die. Because if he... Yeah, and then also because they know, like, sorry, they know about, like, all the other, like, in history about, like, the Illyrian mothers, like, not making it through, like, a lot of them not making it through childbirth or whatever. And it's like... Well, even if Farrah wasn't in her shape-shifting form, like, Reese is still, like, half, half or, like, a quarter Illyrian or whatever. Like, he has wings. Like, obviously there is a chance of the baby having wings genetically. So, like, why, yeah, why wasn't that a conversation? Say Farrah went through with the pregnant, the, the labour and everything, she dies, would the baby still be alive or would the baby die as well? Or would the baby just cause Farrah to die? Because would it be worse yeah. to kind of inadvertently orphan the child? Considering he's had his found brothers who were essentially orphaned. Yeah. And him, essentially. And, and, and him, essentially, yeah. Like, why would they have done that? I mean, again, like, they were never going to die. It was all going to be, you know, happy. Just even especially if Nesta had to give up her powers for it, which she never really utilised to begin with. But yeah, Ghost Rider, yay or nay, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, I'm sure it may have helped out a little bit, but it probably could explain some a little bit of inconsistencies, but... Just characterization, I think. There's another fun theory out and about on the internet. Um, in regards to Gwyn, we learned that she is like half water nymph and half um fae. Her mother was in the spring court and she uh seduced a autumn court occupant. And so there's a lot of theories that Gwyn could potentially be Lucian's daughter. Lucian, mm. I keep <sighs> Lucian's daughter. I say Lucian. Thoughts? Um It makes sense. It makes sense. I want to say yes, but I feel like like there's so much more that can happen in these next books that it's like, well, that's kind of like a pretty um, intense storyline when there's already going to be the storyline of what the hell is happening between Elaine and Lucian as well. So I don't know. It's um, I reckon it's like it's a fun theory because you know the timeline kind of matches up. In uh, I forgot to add this, but um, it happened during the Great Riot, which is pretty much what happens in the Spring Court back in the first book. Um, once once Tamlin does the deed under the mountain that mountain pass thing, everybody is free to do the deed with anybody they want. So it is kind of um skepticized that uh, Lucian hooked up with a water nymph. Yeah. Faye would know. I feel like the Faye would know <laughs> just through the they magic. Would know, yeah, and magic, <laughs> yeah. Ma magic and sense alone are super heightened. Like he would know, but he as... yeah, and also because they yeah, there's a storyline of him and Elaine, and then there's a story of like, well, is he going to find out that Hellion is his father? Yeah. So it's like unless we're getting like a Lucian book and like a big chunky book going through all this stuff, yeah. like I just don't see that as being 
I don't think this would be. A, I don't think it would be a serious plotline. Like it'd be fun. Yeah, unless. Oh, new theory. Okay. What if? Sorry, she like ends up being like Lucian's like half sister or something. Okay, like very very young half sister because she's only like twenty something. Yeah. Damn, what a huge age gap between siblings. Or his niece. Because it might be like one of his brothers or something. Because yeah, he's the seventh. Yeah, because so. I was thinking like if um if Reese got permission from Amarantha to kind of attend this, who knows? It could be an, a brother. Eris could have probably gone down, had yeah. a bit of fun. We don't know. Just because we didn't see it doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily happen. You know what? Yeah. New theory. I think it's Eris's. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gwyn is Eris's. <laughs> nice. Any other like fun theories, or is that just pretty much it? I think that was pretty much it. That was yeah, I think yeah. yeah. I keep seeing online that they could Gwen could potentially be Tamlin's daughter, but I don't understand the correlation. I know you accidentally said that. Yeah, I that, saw that as well. But I, I did. I've legitimately seen somebody say say that, and I'm like, I don't understand that connection because she has red hair or bronze hair. Um, but uh, Gwen, very interesting. I like her as a so, character. So, I've just seen a thing. So, in Chapter 29, Gwyn says that her mother participated in the Great Rite with a male stranger. Her mother never found out who the father was, but says that the magic chose him that night. Hamlin has been ruling Spring Court for at least 50 years, so if it was a High Lord, it was him. I'm pretty sure she's specifically from Autumn Court. And the only person we know who was occupying Spring Court from Autumn at that point was Lucian. Sounds like, I think it's between Lucian and Tamlin. The references to both the Spring Court and the Autumn Court are quite obvious. The plot line fits Tamlin well. Um, there's a, a no. There's going to be another like little shipping war because you know there's Azriel and Elaine, and we found that um, Gwen seems to take a bit of a liking to Azriel. And all right, I keep seeing as well a bonus chapter between Reese and Azriel. I've read. Is it? Read is it something? Chapter. Is it something that's online, or is it a part of the book that I've just missed? It's online. Oh, okay, because I have it's not online. read the bonus chapter. I don't have to feel bad to not have read it. Would you like to know what happens? Yeah, yeah, Kenzie, enlighten us of what happens. So essentially, Asriel and Elaine explore their chemistry. Um, I think they kiss, or I think they're about to kiss, and like Reese catches them. And then, like, this is another thing about like why I don't like Reese in this, um, because like Reese like potentially just goes off on him, and it's like you have to stay away from her. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, blah 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 blah. That is Lucian's mate. If she like rejects the bond like he is in his right like he can kill you so yeah it's basically just like exploring yeah as real and Elaine. and yeah reese is against it for obvious reasons is it wasn't there was there a thing about gwyn in that or because i keep reading that Azriel gave gwyn a necklace he, and i must have missed yeah it. so it was meant for Elaine because it was after must have been solstice when they give presents um and he gave he was giving Elan a necklace or whatever, and then I think, like, she gives it back or something, or he takes it back, and then he, like, goes to train, and then, like, he, and then Gwyn's like, oh, like, sees him, it's like, it's a bit late for training, and then he gives her the necklace. What pairing would you rather? I would rather Elaine, I think, just to stick with the, like, three and three thing. Yeah. But I think Gwyn also deserves a bit of Yeah. But I think, like, also, like, that might be, like, discovering who her father is. There, oh, there's another theory, sorry. Gwyn is Tamlin slash Eris slash Lucian's daughter. <laughs> All three of them. <laughs> All three. <laughs> All three, why not? Awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm changing my theory. I hope, just to throw a spanner in the works, she's Eris's daughter. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Final, like, thoughts and opinions? Any other sort of grievances or anything? <sighs> Oops, I don't want to have to wait until 2023 for the next book. <laughs> oh, is, is, is that when it's uh, ETA? Yeah. 
I don't know. I enjoyed it at the end because I think, yeah, we got to explore a lot of Nessa's trauma, especially at the lake when she was just like, I don't like, I need to fix myself and blah, blah, blah. But Cassian's like, there's nothing really to fix. Like, you're not broken. I like that. I just didn't like the fact that I feel like, yeah, the plot was a bit lost in all the sex. Um, and yeah, I just left with more questions than answers. But again, seeing it from the point of, oh, well, it's the start of the next trilogy. Like, that makes sense. Where do you think they'll go from here? Because we know Koshi is still I've, at large. Yeah, so I also don't think it's confirmed, but I think the next one is meant to be like an Asriel, like Elaine book. Okay, so what, so yeah, what do you think, what sort of evil do you think they're going to encounter? Maybe that could be where Elaine rejects the bond and Lucien yeah, and her and have a spat. Yeah, they figure out how to um like save Vassa as well. Yes. And then maybe they'll make Nesta pregnant. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> She'll adjust herself as well somehow. I kind of, yeah, I don't know if I want like a time jump, but... Maybe, like, a couple of years. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, they've been through some stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a span of five years. I wouldn't mind, like, a ten years. Not, no, not ten, ten years? Maybe ten years. Like, five. But, like, what's what's the hurry? Like, they've had, like, the the Haifei have lived five, five hundred odd years, and yet there are so many issues that could have been solved within five hundred right years. Now. <laughs> and they're coming up, yeah, right now at this specific time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it would be interesting. Um, I reckon, yeah, the pacing and everything was a bit off. Because there was a lot of like just n- the training and a lot of like Nesta yeah, by I feel herself. Like, yeah, we didn't need to see so much training. And not a lot of action, although the Kelpie kind of scenes, it was probably the most action there was yeah. in terms of like fighting and battle. Um, I would have liked more skirmishes with Breland just to kind of build her up that bit more because, like, the King of Highburn, there was a few skirmishes and, like, you know, we thought, wow, they were actually not going to be able to defeat him. But, um, and, like, Breland had the alliance of Koshi. Like, he was super powerful and he did bugger all. He just winnowed in the troops. I would also, yeah, like to see, because obviously Tamlin's story is not over, so I would like to see his... Yeah, but it was nice seeing... One, it's going to be interesting where he goes because in the book there is a, a cheeky mention of Tamlin where Nesta, Cassian, and Eris are talking in his forest in the Spring Court yeah. and um, Tamlin finds him. But they've been saying that Tamlin has just been in his beast form for a, a long time. Mm. So will he ever be able to even turn back? Maybe the love from his daughter. Maybe. We'll try and <laughs> save him. I reckon something must happen that's so important for them to rally like the, the High Lords again. Because as much as I... I hated a couple of the High Lords. It was nice seeing them all together in their political, talking politically and diplomatically. Like, I would like to see a bit more of that again, yeah. again. Or even a bit more, because, you know, we've been talking about Baron and the Autumn Court since book one. I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of the Winter Court or even um, Dawn Court, more more Helion as well. Give Helion an orgy, goddammit. <laughs> Give the man what he needs and what he wants. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed the book in the end when it got to all the action-y stuff. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Nesta's doing great. We love her. Poor Gwyn and Emery, but they're able to kind of resolve themselves and become the Valkyries that they, you know, were, got excited about. Um, but it was really hard getting into it because I, get, I still kind of don't like Nesta. I just still don't like her. I, I'll, I'll kind of forever be kind of like a Nesta hater only because of how she was written between the first four books. But I did see a point like, oh, we only saw her from Feyre's point of view. It was enough <laughs> for me to not like her. But um, yeah, giving up her powers without even having a chance to utilise them. But understandable, like, she's gone through so much, I probably wouldn't want to keep 
that reminder either. She could have mm. been so powerful. Well, she was powerful in destroying Breelin, but it would be very useful against the other Death Lord in Koshi. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see much of that. But that means Elaine still has her powers. Maybe, yeah, in the next trilogy, in the next book, she might have a more of an important role in her seer abilities. Hopefully. Yeah. Because they kind of nudged her off to the side as well. She kind of helped a little bit in the Aka War. Like, it would have been nice for her to scry or see something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's her coping mechanism. Maybe that's her self-destruction. She's gardening a little too much. (laughs) (laughs) Poor girl. Oh, I remember I saw one little inconsistency that kind of bugged me. Uh, when Nesta was first talking to Gwyn, Gwyn mentions that Nesta killed the King of Highburn with with the Shadow Singer's knife, and I was like, no. Oh, Elaine. Elaine yeah. killed him with the knife. She beheaded him yeah. with uh, Cassian yeah. Cassian sword, I think, or a sword. Well, yeah, I think it's meant to be like, yeah, Elaine like incapacitated him, and yeah, then... but like Nesta did not and, kill and, him and with the knife. Ezra... <laughs> what was I saying, Ezra? And then Nesta had the like. Hashtag Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also an inconsistency as well because I think at the end of like Frost and Starlight, he says, You're like Cassian says, You're coming with me to like the Illyrian camp. Oh, okay. But then in this one at the start, he just says, like You're coming with me, like to the House of Wind. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. All in all, Nesta braved through her trauma. She not recovered fully, I suppose you can never fully recover. But everyone, she's often she's in a better place. She's with Cassian. She looks to have a future with him, which is nice. I guess they're getting married. M- must be there. Oh, that would be cute seeing their um like seeing um, a wedding. Their their mates like a ceremony or something like that as well. In the yeah, because we never got to see yeah like the face and wedding really. Yeah. yeah. I would like to see a wedding that actually goes through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And unfortunately, throughout the book as well, Asriel, his role got held back because, you know, he being the spy master, they told him to kind of hang back when um, she had the crown because they didn't want Asriel to be caught and then used against them. Yeah, I guess like the others, it didn't leave like a, an obvious room for what's going to happen next. It was kind of the dread trove. They found all the items. She died. That's it. Koshi is at large. But yeah, otherwise I enjoyed it. Can't wait yeah. for the next one. Watch us reread it in like 2022. <laughs> Late 2022. Oh yeah, of course. I'm not going to touch them again until 2022. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just going to buy all the collector editions until then. Yeah. Pretty much covered what we needed to cover. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully you share similar ideas and similar opinions. And make sure you follow the Letterboxd Book Club Instagram on your way out. Yeah, that'd be great. And yeah, if, again, if you have any more any similar ideas or opinions, feel free to comment. I'm sure there might be like a post thread where we can discuss. Or we might find other avenues of social media to utilise for this type of thing. We shall see in the future. Um, oh yeah, so we're going to be taking a bit of a break. Um... At the moment, because we are on Throne of Glass, so we're, well, I'm on a rereading, Claire is reading Throne of Glass, so we're going to give her time to get through them. So we might take a break. I think we were talking about doing Midnight Sun, but I feel like that's a big boy book. So I think we're going to break it up with a quick little breather of um, Colleen Hoover's It Ends With Us. Yeah, for sure. So join us next time for It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. Yeah. And catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening. See ya, everyone. Bye.